You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. I hope you all are doing well. Brian, what are we going to talk about on today's show? What could have happened? Jake, it's such a slow news day. I don't know what we could possibly celebrate, why I would be so excited right now, why my phone was blowing up on Wednesday night, and why I tweeted with exuberation that our long nightmare is over. No, the Costco food court is not fully open yet. It is not. It is even better news. It is even better news. Larry Scott's tenure as Pac-12 commissioner is, we have an end date. June 30th. We're going to talk about that on today's show. Everything that goes into it, potential replacements for them. There's a whole litany of things we need to get to on today's show. And by the way, there's also a basketball game. We'll touch on that as well. But you know what? Our conversation today is going to be dominated by the Pac-12. And Brian, should we get going right away here? There's no reason to stop the train. We're, we're full speed down the track right now, Jake. Go, 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 go. Let's do this thing. By the way, today's show brought to you in part by our good friends at Rock Auto, as well as our good friends at BetOnline.ag. We'll tell you about both of them later on in the podcast. And like Brian said, let's go. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for January 21st, 2021. All right, folks, you know what this music is. And if you don't, you have been living under a rock the entirety of your life. But it is to celebrate the end of, I don't even know how to describe the tenure of Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott. Tyranny, oppression. Okay, tyranny or oppression. Well, I'm Jay Catch. That voice you hear is Brian Brown himself, the brown bear in the chair. And man, Brian... We got a lot to unpack on today's show, but a quick reminder for everybody listening, this is your daily podcast focused on all things Utah athletics. We also extend it out into the Pac-12, obviously, with the Utes being in the Pac-12, but want to encourage you guys, make sure to follow the show on social media, at Locked On Utes, subscribe, rate, and review the show. We love your guys' support. I don't know if you saw it on social media last night, Brian. Uh, Did you know that we're pretty popular in Sweden, of all places? Hella yeah. Like, why wouldn't we be? It's a hella great place. It is a hella great place. But just do that for us and support the podcast. It's been a great uh, launch over the past month or so since we got this going again. And a big thank you for your support. All right, Brian. It is official. June 30th in the year of our Lord, 2021, will be the final day for Larry Scott as Pac-12 commissioner. So we only have to endure what? Five-ish months more of, like you said, his tyranny, his oppression, and the end of a 11-year tenure that, man, does it have so many different storylines to discuss. You mentioned the fact that he's been in charge for 11 years, and that feels like such a long, long time. And, and like the conference has been through so many different obstacles under his tenure. But I want to point out the fact that if you go back in time and look at all the conference commissioners through the ages, they don't leave these jobs ever. Yes. This is such a rarity. And I think that points to the 
inconsistency with his tenure as, as Pac-12 commissioner, and I joke that it was tyranny and oppression and, and everything like that. There are obviously places in the world where that's legitimate, but for a, for a sports fan, and, and I talk about hate, and I mean sports hate, right? There's levels yes. of emotion, and then there's sports emotion. So I hate Dennis Rodman, or I hate Michael Jordan. I don't have any real beef against them. I, well, maybe I do, because I did grow up a jazz fan in the 90s, but um, – the feelings I have towards Larry Scott border on not just being sports emotions because really what it feels like is it feels like theft and it feels like he's done it in broad daylight with the amount of money that he's made. He's collected two paychecks, one for being the conference commissioner, one for being the head of the PAC 12 network, which torpedoed in the ditch has just been an absolute disaster ever since he's, he started it. And then you look at all the money that he spent and, and the, the r- lavish digs out there in San Francisco. And, and you think mention. about it this from, from this perspective, studios are basically warehouses, right? Mm-hmm. And, and anytime you're going to have a studio somewhere, like all, all the TV stations in Salt Lake are out in the middle of nowhere, right? Or, or uh, all well, the editing bays. They, they used to be. Uh, some of them have moved sure. downtown, like KUTV2, I work with David James. They have moved to Main Street. But by and large, normally, yes, if you own a TV station, you are on the cheapest land you possibly can purchase because you just want cheap real estate. Meanwhile, more studios. Yeah, more yeah, studios. Lots of room. Meanwhile, the Pac 12 for who the hell knows why is in downtown San Francisco in prime real estate that costs the most money on the West coast. And you have your edit bays in that facility. I don't get it. It's ludicrous because you're going to have to pay salaries commensurate with the, the cost of living in San Francisco. And, and that's not to knock on the people who are out there trying to make a living or don't or have your, because you've heard those reports about people that work for the PAC 12 network having to buddy and triple up with fellow coworkers to even afford a living, uh, a place to live in the city. So they're not paying commensurate based on everything we have heard. Yeah. And, and like, I mean, that is the tip of the iceberg with this whole situation, right? It, it's like we talked about it. The Pac-12 network has been a disaster since the get go. The TV deal that he signed originally was supposed to be this great and powerful uh, trendsetter. And, and it ended up being the worst of the bunch. And now the SEC is getting almost $50 million a year in their TV deal. And nobody wants to watch the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. You know, he had, uh, aspirations of going overseas and, and cultivating the Pac-12 brand in, in China and everything like that. And what a disaster that's been. We can go through it over and over again. The Pac-12 refs, the Woody Dixon incident, just the complete lack of control. We talk about institutional control and, and the death penalty. Larry should have gotten the death penalty forever ago when, in terms of his career. And so I, I Look, I, I'm, I'm getting out excited, excited. Maybe I've had too many pieces of chocolate in celebration. I don't know what's going on right now. I'm fired up. But this is something that's very personal to me because there are people out there that want to do this job and want to do it well and don't expect $5 million a year to do it and can make this conference what it is. It's not the best, most competitive football conference on the planet, but what it is is it's entertaining. There are passionate fan bases involved. There's an opportunity to promote it and expose it to the nation, and it is a critical piece to leveling the playing field in college football. You're never going to be the Southeastern Conference. That's just a fact. But what you can be is you can be the anchor point for the rest of the nation to look towards, and he's just completely butchered that and turned it into an absolute farce. 
You're right. He has butchered it. There's no doubt about that. There have been so many missteps under his 11-year tenure that it was just time. It was when it should have been time. I felt like a while ago. That's just my personal gut feeling. And I just looked at this whole thing and man, can you bungle a job that should be relatively easy in many ways? Like, okay, negotiate a TV deal with ESPN and Fox. So you did that. But then he goes out and creates the PAC 12 network, like you said, and says, you know what? We're going to own the entirety of it. It is going to be an absolute boon for us. And what has it been? Well, it's been an anchor in many ways around the neck of this conference. They have not been able to get it on direct TV. It's just it's not producing the cash that the Pac-12 athletic directors who originally approved it and the Pac-12 chancellors and presidents who approved it were promised it was going it was supposed to be a cash cow. None of that has come to fruition. And it just it, it it looks like yeah it's finally the the run is over and the nice part is and we'll talk about this here in just a moment we'll run a little long here in this first part but the nice part is I think there are some pretty ready made candidates out there who the, the Pac-12 can go out and chase they're they're planning on having somebody installed by the time that Larry Scott officially steps down on June 30th. Yeah, I think for you to make an announcement like this, you have to have somebody in mind, or at least several candidates who are who have shown interest. And and we'll talk a little bit about those around the corner, as you said, because it's it's something that I think deserves some attention. And there are some names out there that will be both native to Utah fans and also maybe new to them that they should know about as we go into this. Yeah, so let's get to that momentarily. Let's do take a minute here, though, and talk about our good friends at Rock Auto. Uh, Brian, earlier this week, we had a little discussion about incidents and salad dressings inside our vehicles, uh, your vehicle in particular. But the nice part about Rock Auto, it's got every part your car, truck, or SUV could ever talk about. You also talked about previously, you ordered your new wiper blades for your car off rockauto.com. So you, you can attest to this. It's got everything your vehicle's ever going to need. My car has a name. I call it Hightower because it looks like an old police car. Okay. And Hightower is getting some massive upgrades this week. We're going with new headlights. We're, we're freshening the interior. We got wipes. We got carpet cleaner coming. This thing is going to be so, like, not pimp my ride-esque, but, <laughs> but like, clean and, and rolling steady that people are going to be like, oh, okay, you went the, with the luxury police cruiser. I'm going to be like, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know this. <laughs> but it, it just all goes back to the fact that my dollar goes further at Rock Auto. Yeah, why pay 30 50 maybe even 100% markup at a chain store or a car dealership when you can order it all at rockauto.com? And the best part about all of that is it's shipped directly to your door, guys. Take advantage of it. Check out your whatever your car needs at rockauto.com. Easy to navigate. It's a family-owned company company been in business for 20 years online they know what they are doing while you're there very important make sure you fill in the how did you hear about us box with locked on so that way that they know that we sent you from right here on locked on utes check it out guys amazing selection reliably low pricing all the parts your car truck or suv could ever need that's our good friends at rockauto.com Rolling on here, Brian, obviously there's going to be a lot of discussion points over the next 24 hours and on into the future days and weeks ahead as the Pac-12 figures out what their future is going to look like. They do have a TV deal upcoming here uh, in a few years, and they're going to have a new commissioner at the helm that's going to have to negotiate all of that. And that obviously is going to 
bring to the question that we're going to discuss right now on the podcast. Who are some of the potential names we expect to emerge as candidates for the next Pac-12 commissioner slot? Uh, There are a lot of names. There are going to be a lot of names that pop up, obviously. There are going to be ones from all over the country. Come on. This is a cushy gig. If Larry Scott can bilk this conference for $5 million a year, get a loan that he never actually has paid back for a cushy home up in the hills above San Francisco to the tune of, what, almost $2 million or some such, you better believe there are going to be a lot of administrators across the sports landscape who are going to say, hmm, maybe I do need to take a look at this gig. Uh, the biggest thing that you can do is you're going to save the conference $5 million right off the bat by moving it to Las Vegas and, and cutting your costs right there immediately, you know? You and, and I think you bring up a point that this is a, this is a very appealing job because like we talked about earlier, people don't leave these jobs. No. Like you are in it for life. Like Jim Delaney just barely retired. I think he was what, 30 years as conference commissioner. Swafford of the ACC was a 20 plus year run. They, they, these guys, they stay until the bitter end almost. Yeah. It, 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 uh, was it Mike Slive who just re- retired from, from yep. the SEC? Yep. Like they stay in it literally until they're ready to die. Like that's mm. how these jobs work. And, and the reason why it's if – I, if I'm ranking ultimate jobs, number one would be conference commissioner. The second would be bowl chairman, right? Because bowl yeah. chairman, all they do is go around the country, watch games, and then show up for a month out of year out of the work and, and pocket six figures. I can do that, Jake. I can. I know I can. I, can I would do it look too. great in a Fiesta Bowl jacket. <laughs> Hire us on board, Fiesta Bowl. Any bowl, really. We'll, t- we'll take any of them. Yeah. We'll go work for the Arizona like, Bowl or Shreveport Bowl. Give us give us one of them. We'll, we'll take it. No I'm problem. great in 15-minute interviews. Trust me. <laughs> I'm not going to let any secrets out. Let them, let them know. But I think that's why you're going to hear a lot of different names and a lot of different sources because what's going to happen is a lot of people are going to be going to whoever it is that they have a relationship with and saying, start promoting me because I want that job. Locally, I think there's a perfect candidate in town, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know it, and I know it. I don't think it would be a secret to anybody necessarily. Um, I'm not reporting anything like this, but I do think that Dr. Chris Hill has to be on that list in, in some aspect because of what he's been able to do with the University of Utah, both fiscally and in elevating the conference, because that is exactly what you need to do with the Pac-12 right now. Chris Hill should be on the at least the phone call list for whoever is making this decision, whether it's the search firms, the Pac-12 chancellors and the university presidents who will ultimately make this hire because that's the person that, that those are the people that this person works for the Pac, the Pac-12 commissioner. He works for those 12 chancellors and presidents. Chris Hill absolutely should be on the short list. In my opinion, he, like you said, he's, he's fiscally responsible. He had a legendary lengthy run with Utah, did some incredible things because uh, you, you and I were both Utah lifers and we grew up in this state. We have seen Utah rise from the dregs of the 1980s to making it to the Pac-12, to going to be the original BCS buster, to beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. We've seen them make runs to Pac-12 uh, title games. The hope is at some point you make a Rose Bowl at Utah. And all of that, uh, well, like, maybe not all of it, but to a large degree, a lot of that can be credited to the leadership of Chris Hill. The Pac-12 could do a lot worse than bringing a guy like Dr. Chris Hill on board. I think the biggest thing that you have to look at if you're looking at candidates is who can bring back the culture to of, of the conference offices back to where they need to be. And and he is the perfect candidate in that regard. He has an open door, open door leadership policy. You know, his staff always raved about him and, and the way that they were able to interact. It's going to be appealing to the right kind of people. There, there are yeah. plenty of creative, innovative, uh, uh, you know, 
powerful, uh, talented people that want to work in sports. And it's such a competitive industry. And if you get into a conference job, like we talked about, it's security. And if they do move the offices to Vegas, now that's something I just speculate on, but it just makes too much sense, right? Move them anywhere but San Francisco. Yeah. Bring them to Salt Lake yeah, City. Anywhere. Bring them to Salt Lake City. The land here, I know the, the housing market here is crazy, but there's still, it's a relative bargain uh, real estate wise, you can bring them to Salt Lake City and have plenty of room to operate, have more room to operate than you would know what to do with. There are so many different places you can move it. You could even move it maybe out to Sacramento and still have a good good spot there in California. So yeah, that's a speculation on our part. But there are other names yeah. out there. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, Salt Lake, Arizona, Phoenix would be a good spot. Las Vegas. You could even go to L.A. There are plenty of cheap places in L.A. You can share studio space. There's sure. all the studios down there. It's one of the few things that I thought the Pac-12 actually did well was having media days down there in, in that nice spread out format and everything like that. Anywhere you go, it's going to be fine, right? Like yes. the biggest thing for your conference offices is you want to have a plate. You want to have the, the ability to get to wherever it is that you need to go. And you want to have an attractive location so that you can really wine and dine the right kind of class. And I think that that goes back to more of, of what we want to talk about, which is they got to get some inroads in, in better sponsorships than just Pacific seafood. <laughs> That's a good point. And there's going to be a lot to be discussed over this. Uh, one thing that, to point out, I've just seen this John Wilner uh, with the decision to part ways with Larry Scott. Homeboy is getting his paid his full salary. His original contract went through 2022. He is getting every dime that he is owed to leave Hurley. This dude has taken advantage of this conference for long enough, and he's taken advantage of one last ride on the Pac-12's dime. And you know what? Whatever. Tyrant. Tyrant. That's a good point about it. Uh, one Thief. Th- one thing, Brian... I, will, I would love to see the Pac-12 move their headquarters to, to Las Vegas. If they're going to have the Pac-12 title game there, if they're going to have the Pac-12 men's and women's basketball tournaments there, the heartbeat of the conference feels like it's going to be in Sin City. Why not have your headquarters there? It's centrally located. It just seems too obvious. Well, and, and the mistake that Larry made is he wanted to get in bed with tech companies. And guess what tech companies don't really love? They're not huge football fans, okay? They're nerds. Like, what does Vegas love, Jake? They love sports. They love sports and they love gambling they and they do. love gambling on sports. <laughs> and guess what you can do in droves on the Pac-12? Well, hey, you can you gamble. Go. Hey, shocking. And, <laughs> and, and, and it sets up perfectly with the NLI and everything like that, right? Like, like when I worked for the Stallions, the biggest partner we had was was MGM uh, Grand. And, and that was the company that uh, Charlie Ebersol, as everything was going down in yep. flames, was trying to get to put everything out and invest money into it. And, and so those are companies that have – the, the pockets to to partner with and create and, and, and build an empire with the Pac-12 to showcase it. There's plenty of studio space. You know, I, I have a good friend that works for an esports arena down there. He's already told me, he's like, hey, tell Larry, I've got plenty of space. You can put your studio in here. It'll be yeah. great. So it, it, it's just such a perfect fit. But I think we should probably talk about some of the other candidates. And, and, and that's, I mean, just more reasons why this job is so appealing, right? And why I'm freaking out here. Well, the funny thing is the one I wanted to bring up is a guy who's already on the inside of the Pac-12. It's Jamie Zaninovich. He is the deputy commissioner of the Pac-12 right now, the former commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Many of you listening to this podcast know my background is more deep with BYU. I host the Locked On Cougars podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I have seen Jamie Zaninovich do great things with the West Coast Conference. He brought BYU into that conference. He built them up. He helped Gonzaga get to 
to the national prominence they are. He was hired by the Pac-12 because they saw what he did. He would actually be, I think, a great hire because he has vision in my mind where what we're talking about. He could see, okay, yeah, maybe the writing is on the wall. Yeah, we need to get out of San Francisco. We need to go elsewhere. We need to promote our top brands, USC, Washington. If Utah's playing well, they're a top brand. We're going to promote them. At times, the Pac-12 has seemingly ignored their top brands and said, you know what, whatever. I think Jamie Zaninovich is a guy who absolutely should be in the running. He knows, like you said, he knows how to build a, a, a conference and he knows how to work with the networks and he knows how to negotiate. He's done it all before. He has the experience. And I think probably the best part is he's been there to see everything that they were doing wrong previously. And he probably already has a good idea of what they need to fix. Right. Yeah, he's already been on the inside. He knows he's been yeah. in those discussions. He's sat in on those meetings. So he knows what's up. So that's a name to keep an eye on. Who else we got, Brian? The last one that I thought of, and, and it was actually somebody else had suggested it, but I think it's already floating around on Twitter, but it just makes a ton of sense would be Oliver Luck. Yep. And, and, you know, former XFL commissioner, you're never going to be able to match his salary with the XFL, but guess what? He's out of work right now anyways, yeah. so it's going to be fine. Well, he, he, worked at the, he worked at the NCAA headquarters in Indianapolis before going to the XFL. Of course, his son is Andrew Luck, who was the be- best quarterback since Jim Pluckett to play at Stanford. He's got roots in the Pac-12 with his son. Etc. He would be a ph- phenomenal pick, I think, and he, obviously, I think he'll be in the discussion. And there'll be many, many names that we haven't even discussed on today. We've only talked about three names on this podcast alone, but there'll be many more that will pop up in the coming days and weeks with this. But Oliver Luck, I absolutely agree. He's out of work right now. He's a guy who has got experience as an administrator at various levels as an athletic director. He's been the father of a high-level quarterback. He understands, I think, the the name, image, and likeness deal that's coming up. He'd have an idea of what that would have impacted his son and how it could have impacted him and absolutely have the vision, I think, to help lead this conference forward. You can say what you want about spring football leagues, but the XFL was finding success until COVID wrecked it along with everything else. You and I were both involved with it and in, in watching the games and enjoyed it a lot, I think. Um, you know, it, it's, it was unfortunate that it caught that end and, and no pun intended there, but um what I think the knowledge base that he's learned of is, is exactly that. He knows how it works on the AD side of things. So he knows how to deal with the athletic directors and the university presidents. He knows how to handle that relationship. He's the one who figured out what networks the XFL needed to be on and how they needed to structure that and, and the broadcast and everything like that. So he did that and he executed that flawlessly. That league was on its way up. And, and I got to tell you, he, he rectified every single issue that the Alliance of American football had ahead of time. And so when you're looking at this, you think to yourself, man, okay, so if we get him for 20 years or, or 10 years and then who knows what they're going to pay him at this point, if you're already paying Larry Scott to go away, I have no problem paying somebody 5 million a year to do the actual job that they're hired to do. Yeah. Well, Hey, you might as well. If that's going to be the going rate. So be it. You, you, you've already been paying out that amount. Just continue it on. It's already it's already on the books. Yeah, just go get the go, go get the revenue right. Like like this is not a this is not a let's not get into Larry Kraskoviak vein where it's like oh no no we're paying too much. Whatever you can do to get the best guy available, that's all that matters. Okay, because that guy yeah. is going to pay for themselves time and time and time again. Everybody loves to hate on Roger Goodell and and listen. 
He's given you every single reason. But you know why he stays at commissioner? Because every NFL owner has just lined every single pocket they can with hunses and fitties and everything that comes with that. He does all of their dirty work, and that's exactly what a commissioner is supposed to do. So there'll be plenty of names. We'll discuss them in the coming days and weeks as they kind of pop up. We'll see, I'm sure there'll be plenty of news coming out in the news cycle about this. There's going to be plenty to discuss, Brian. I'm looking forward to it, honestly. I, I'm looking forward. I think the future of the Pac-12 just got a lot brighter, personally. It had to happen, and, and we'd heard kind of whisperings of it. And I, huge credit to people like John Wilner and John Canzano who were willing mm-hmm. to do the dirty work and, and really expose what was going on within the conference. The most bizarre thing about it was that Larry continued to have a really strong relationship and be so open and talkative to them, despite the fact that they were just reaming him publicly. <laughs> and I just think it speaks to his overall unawareness. And, and listen, when you get to those positions, you do have to insulate yourself because there is so much noise out there but at the same time you gotta you gotta know what's going on and and larry just never did yeah he just didn't have that self-awareness there's no doubt about that but we'll have more discussions on this on future episodes of locked on Utes. keep it locked here we'll be sure to cover it for you uh coming up here in just a moment as you round out today's show we do need to take a minute and talk about the basketball program the running Utes. they are in action tonight up at washington state we'll do a quick preview of that game as we wrap up today's show before we do that let's talk a little bit of bet on Line.ag. Brian, what do you think the chances are that BetOnline.ag has already got odds on who the next Pac-12 commissioner is going to be? If they don't, I got the email ready, buddy. We're going to fire this thing up. Give me the odd list. I'm throwing down tens on every single one of them. Absolutely. We're bound to hit somewhere. It, it, it's a great idea. And if you guys want to get off the couch figuratively and get in on the action, do it with our friends at betonline.ag. You can get a free account right now. It's real simple to sign up. The payouts are fast and easy. And like Brian said, they've got odds on Pac-12 commissioners. Uh, they had stuff on the inauguration yesterday. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Whether you want an NFL playoffs, NBA call basketball they got it all covered for you that's what we love about it you know what's even great about that too jake is that if you deposit a hundred dollars you know how much you get if you use the promo code locked on 50 percent. you can get 150 bucks to play with think about that <laughs> free, right. so free you got money. a 50 dollar free 50 bucks to play around with so so you figure out your strategy start making those bets early on and, and maybe you'll get lucky on a couple bets or, or or maybe you already know what it is that you like to to, to pick and then you can just go ahead and make that money double up and and just keep cashing them checks and you, you and larry scott can make yeah. money into 2022 if you know who the next pac-12 commissioner is get in on it and, and put, put your money down and make some bank money on it on whatever odds that your favorite has on it do it right now promo code locked on at betonline.ag 50 percent welcome bonus it's all courtesy of our good friends at bet online your online sportsbook experts All right, Brian, a quick look as we round out today's podcast on the hardwoods. The running Utes are on the road tonight at Washington State, taking on the Cougars up there in Pullman. Uh, And this game, man, I can't even begin to try and prognosticate what to expect from Larry Kriskoviak's program right now, Brian. Just after what we saw last week, they go and beat Stanford, and they have the debacle and losing to Cal and just that awful second half once again. All, all odds are off, on, in my opinion, in terms of trying to determine, hey, this should be a winnable game for Utah, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Washington State ranks down there kind of at the at the bottom of the conference right now in win-loss, but I, I think they are a, a, an up-and-coming program. You know, I think they've uh, made some progress over the years in terms of, uh, you know, firing, fi- finding the right coach yeah, Kyle to, Smith, to fit the program. Yeah, Kyle Smith was a former coach at the University of San Francisco in the West Coast Conference, and he did a great job with USF. Uh, I, I've got a background in that West Coast Conference. He is a, he's a grinder. That's the one thing. And Pullman, it's a tough place to recruit to. We've, we've talked about with football. It's the same way with basketball. But this guy, he's the right guy, I think, for this type of a job. Yeah, and he kind of came a little bit out of nowhere in in terms of candidates that they were looking at. But I think in the first year, he he showed that this team was going to play hard and and fight and do what they needed to do uh, in order to reestablish themselves. But they are a younger team, and you know it, it is another team. It, it reminds me a little bit of Utah, probably a few years ago, where they were trying to build a program, and and so they're trying to they they have landed a couple high level recruits, I believe, last year. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but that never works out well. Um, but regardless, you know, yeah. this is a younger team. And so they are still in learning mode, but they, they do have some talent on there. You know, like I said, right now they are nine and four overall, um, better overall record than the Utes, uh, 69 points a game, you know, holding opponents to 66. So it, it should be a fairly evenly matched uh, contest. But, you know, I, I think if you're going talent versus talent, Utah's definitely the better team. But the, the bigger and better question is, can they play a complete game? Yeah, the guy to keep an eye on in tonight's game on the Washington State side of things is Isaac Bonton. He's the leading scorer, averaging 18.9 points per game, also adding four and a half rebounds and four assists per game, as well as almost two steals. This guy does it all for them. He's a good player. Uh, I think that Timmy Allen will be more than capable of being his kind of counterweight in this type of a game. But, man, they're on the road. Speaking of the youths, they've had four straight home games. We'll find out. Maybe the road is what will cure some of the ills for this program. And if they come home, with two wins over Washington State tonight and then also a win over Washington this weekend, I think that would go a long way to helping rebuild some confidence in this program that otherwise has been lost. Yeah, it would. And, and I think the, the the key component for the University of Utah is to use their experience against those young freshmen that are starting for Washington State. You know, the one to really watch is Deshaun Jackson. He's a big man out of California, a 6'10 freshman, who has really started to emerge and, and had – 14.7 rebounds at USC in, in their last game. And, and that's, you know, you, as you watch these guys, USC's got some really good, talented young players too. Mm-hmm. And, and so if Jackson is able to put up those kinds of numbers against a really good USC team, now granted it was in the losing effort, I believe, uh, but that's where you're going to have to win those battles, right? So you're going to have to see Brandon Carlson and maybe maybe a little bit more Lahat Chun. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it, Utah's got to find something to spark this team, and, and, and they've got to figure out how to get it done in the second half, bottom line. Absolutely. So catch it tonight, 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. We'll have a full recap of that game tomorrow as well as a preview of the Washington game later on this weekend. All right, Brian, on our way out the door, any final thoughts from you, my good friend? What a great day, Jake. I, I, I do not revel in the firing of mine enemy, but to see them walk out the door, I feel victory. It's a good day. There's no doubt about that. I think better days are ahead for the Pac-12 overall. Utah, obviously, a part of that, and we'll have plenty more on that. I'm actually going to dub ourselves. We're the unofficial Pac-12 podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah. So, you know what? We're locked on Pac-12. We're also locked on youths. We're going to talk about plenty of this stuff in the coming days and weeks. All right, Brian. I'll go ahead. 
I was just going to say, you and me, man, like there's nothing that you and I love more than college football. I think, well, maybe your family, but some days, come on, let's hey, be honest. My kids can be a handful. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> so nonetheless, we will have a lot of fun. So keep it locked right here on Locked On Utes. We'll have plenty more in the coming days and weeks, especially on the Pac-12 front with Larry Scott. We'll also, like I said, recap Utah basketball. There's plenty to talk about. So join us each and every day. Thanks again for joining us. For Brian, I'm Jake. Have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for January 21st, 2021, and we will talk to you guys manana.